the Leadership Habit Podcast is excited to launch a new special series of episodes focusing on the multi-generational workforce. Over the next few weeks, we'll be interviewing millennials, Gen Xers, and boomers to find out what challenges they face, what stereotypes they deal with, and understand how we can all work together more effectively. Our first guest in the series is Tyler Jane Jones. Tyler is a millennial, defined as someone who was born between 1981 and 1996. She is an innovative thought leader that is inspired to bring about positive growth from within the healthcare industry in Denver, Colorado. Enjoy. Hi everyone, it's Jen DeWall, and today I am here with Tyler Jane Jones, and she is here with us on behalf of our generational series that we are doing. For those of you that don't know and you're just tuning in, what we're doing is talking to individuals in different generations to understand how we all come into an organization and work and collaborate together. And Tyler is part of the millennial generation, which means that she was born between the years of 1981 to 1996. Tyler, thank you so much for joining us. We are so happy to have you on the Leadership Habit Podcast. Thank you so much. I'm really jazzed to be here. So Tyler, one of the questions we've been starting out asking people, because we want to understand the generational perspective, how do you define leadership? I think I define leadership as helping a group of people reach a common goal. So that could be either helping out your clients or um, getting a new like agile batch going forward, something along those lines, but not necessarily like pulling that group towards the win, but helping push from inside. Um, and that's when I've worked with different leaders who kind of take that approach, I see it as being most impactful. And that's also kind of how I tend to lead both as like a um, like traditional leader and then also as like a non-traditional leader. And so someone who doesn't necessarily have that role, but still is able to take on a little bit of a leadership role. That's great. No, and we talked a little bit offline about the fact that you and I are at different ends of the millennial spectrum. Yeah. So I was born in 82, so I'm just closer to that Gen X, and I've been in the career space for a little bit longer, and you're closer to the 1996. So tell everyone that's listening kind of for what your career experience has been like and how long you've been in the work or in the workforce for. Yeah, so... I, I guess, would consider myself as being in the workforce for the last, like, five to six years, but um, out of college for the last three years. Okay. So um, that's kind of been a little interesting. And just to see, I've had three different roles in the last three years, both at my, at my like, huge corporate company. And to see how my view on the company and the business and different leaders and my career trajectory has changed in the last three years, I think, is really interesting. But also... I can definitely see how like people see millennials as like changing way too fast or moving from like one thing to the next because that's kind of the route I've taken, I guess. Yeah, you've moved fast, right? And there is a lot that's attractive about moving fast because we get those new challenges and we have new opportunities to to learn and develop ourselves, which I think is a very exciting thing for millennials. And it's something that we really aspire to. Not saying that other generations don't aspire for that, but it is an important thing for millennials. When you think about your generation in the workplace, what do you like? What do you notice as some of those maybe perceptions or labels that millennials get? Um, like I just said, I think a lot of it is 
like the moving quickly, really wanting to come in and like jump full force ahead. And sometimes like the older generations will be like, whoa, 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 like you still have a ton to learn, calm down, like slow your roll. Um, so definitely see that aspect. And we still have a ton to learn in terms of like life experience, but I think we also come in being a part of like the internet generation coming in with a lot more, um, like we've been through a lot more in school and like have some of that more, we have better resources, I guess, in a lot of ways. Um, so it's kind of interesting to see how that partners with some of these older generations who learned a lot of what they learned just by like putting in the time. Um, so I think that's definitely an interesting aspect. Yeah, that's, I mean, the technology piece is huge. Yeah, huge. Right? It's, and it's something that I think, you know, millennials get the bad rap because they think they are moving too fast or they want to systematize things or they want to make them more efficient through technology. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as a result of their appreciation for technology, sometimes people make some judgments about them, right? So maybe it's the judgments like, we had talked about this earlier, like judging them for being lazy, for maybe wanting to automate something that in their experience using technology, they know that there's an opportunity to make a process efficiency. But yet to others, they think that the dependency on technology means that they're lazy. Yeah. When you think of people who have like, I think of a lot of the people I work with who have been in like very similar roles for the last like 30 years of their career. Like they're just on the edge. So those baby boomers who are on the edge of retirement and they see automation as I'm losing my job where I look at, like, I don't want to do an extra task that takes extra work. If I can't just like plug it into Excel um, and have a macro do that versus me sitting there and doing it manually, that doesn't make sense for me. And I, it's really easy for me to make that like Excel macro and make those changes. Um, and I feel like there's that, that aspect of like job security, but then also we were taught how to do all of this since like elementary school. Like we were taught how to automate processes or use the computer as a tool. And so that we can spend more time being creative and, um, like client conscious or, um, what's the word? Like looking to customize things for our clients. Um, because I'm not spending time doing all this manual work. So that's definitely something that I think is slowly being taken off of all millennials because it's just something we need in the workforce, but definitely something a lot of people see as that stigma that millennials are lazy. Right. Which you brought up a really important point for millennials using and adopting technology was something that was ingrained throughout your whole education. Yeah. Like starting at a young age, whereas Gen X and baby boomers didn't have computers to help them learn, right? And it's not right, wrong, or indifferent, but it's understanding that each generation comes to be as a result of our environment, as a result of historical events, technology, how we're parented for so many reasons. And this is just one where, you know, if we don't recognize that millennials have been immersed in technology, then we can judge them unfairly, I would add, because it's it's just understanding we grew up in different times. Oh, absolutely. So it's I love the to kind of dispel some of the millennial, I guess, judgments because A, they can add a lot of miscommunication or disconnects in the organization. And so it's not serving anyone when we're trying to bridge that multi-generational gap. Mm-hmm. So technology being like one of those labels, right, that we're so dependent that we're lazy, right, that stigma, 
What other stigmas do you notice or did you feel like you had to kind of prepare yourself for when you were early in your career in the workforce? Um, I think communication is another one. A lot of people see millennials as they can only communicate through like text messaging or emails, like can't communicate face to face. Um, I don't think that's the case at all. I, it's at least with the people I've interacted with as millennials. Um, there's definitely like it's a skill that you need to learn. But when I was going into the workforce and starting to work with these teams of people that had literally as many generations as you could fit into a team um, sitting on this. I made a point to make sure I like communicated verbally with every single one of them or like to almost help solve those problems too, because it's very easy when you're sitting behind a computer, especially working virtually to like never pick up the phone, never have a video conversation, anything like that, where that's still going to help bridge those generational gaps more than anything um, and bring those people together to let them know, Hey, I'm not just some newbie coming into the office thinking I know it all thinking that technology needs to take your job because that's not the case at all. But like no. I'm here to learn and there's a lot to learn from these other generations, right? And how do we help bridge those gaps between them? Um, and so I think, I guess it, it is a stigma that millennials don't have as strong of communication skills, but then how do we flip that around and use those communication skills to really work with those different generations and bridge all the teams together? Right. Well, and millennials, again, it goes back to technology. They've had options. Yeah. Right. They've had options. It could be email. It could be face to face. It could be a text message, could be social media. There are a lot of different options for communicating. And so I think it allows for some different, not necessarily a strategy, but a different point of view. Like, who am I trying to communicate? What am I talking to them about? What's the best mode? Whereas earlier generations weren't necessarily they didn't have email. Right. And so face to face or phone calls were always like the easiest way. And so it's not that millennials are averse to them and don't want to embrace them. It's just that there have always been these options for communication. It hasn't been really consolidated into two main modes. We've had choices. Absolutely. And you think of like when I think of growing up, I had all these different um, like outside places coming in, trying to communicate with me, whether it was my phone, whether it was the TV, whether it was the radio station, all the way to like email and then your teacher sitting in front of you talking or the book you had to go check out of the library. And so try, we've kind of had been forced to um, learn how to balance all of those, I think. And there's definitely a lot we can still continue to do in terms of like learning that balance, um, I think, as a society as a whole. But then to help almost I feel like that's an option opportunity for us to help other generations kind of learn how to balance all of those and learn that maybe email is the best way to get this written out, or maybe a phone call is the best way to get this information out. Um, but yeah. Well, and even thinking what can companies do to best support millennials, mm -hmm. right? Because college does, you know, millennials are very educated and many of them have a four-year, two-year degree, whatever they have, but sometimes those degrees don't necessarily prepare for the soft skills, which is another area where millennials get dinged, right? They think that the communication or their reliance on, you know, how they want to like manage a project through technology or how they want feedback and knowing that you will still need guidance, right? Like just because you went to school doesn't mean that you feel like you're ready to take on the world. And I think sometimes people forget that those basics, those soft skills are something that you learn in the workplace. They're not necessarily something that you're learning in college. Like you're not learning how to handle when you 
get feedback that doesn't make you feel good. Yeah. Or you're not learning how to respond urgently, or you're not learning to look at each employer or situation to try and understand what the cultural norms are, right? Like we're not learning those strategies to be able to probably show up in the way that people all of a sudden just expect millennials to show up when they walk in the room. Yeah. And there was, I think initially a lot of millennials were known as like, Hey, like we've got this figured out because we do have this other like book smart information, but even to think in like the last three years, how much I've grown in terms of those soft skills. Um, and like, I kind of almost like look back on myself three years ago, or even like some of the new interns coming in and being like, Oh, like, that's something I guess you didn't learn in college. Like you really should have worked on that or, Hey, that is something that you need to continue to work on. And I see that in myself, even like every single day, I'm sure. Um, but how to help, I guess employers could do a really great job and there's a lot of opportunity for learning those soft skills, but then also like leadership programs that they have of new and upcoming, um, early career people coming into the workforce or mentorship programs. A lot of those mentorship programs, like we grew up getting feedback instantaneously, like you were saying, and that's, I know, another stigma. But how do we work with mentors to kind of help process that feedback um, and continue to grow off of that? Hi, everyone. It's Jen. I wanted to pop in and share with you a little bit about what Crestcom does and how we can help you thrive as a leader. Do your managers know how to build an effective team? Can they create an environment where teamwork is encouraged while setting appropriate benchmarks and delivering projects on time? Are they able to align expectations so their team works effectively towards common goals? You hired the right team. Now let us help you develop them. Prescom offers a robust leadership development program that focuses on results. Each month, participants learn and apply key leadership skills and tools that will unite teams and drive organizational growth. We are serious about accountability. After each class, we help participants apply these leadership skills in group coaching sessions. So are you ready to take leadership development to the next level? Contact us at crosscomleadership.com to learn more about how we can help you. Now back to the podcast. I want to dive into the feedback piece because I know that that is a very big um, kind of frustration by some other generations with millennials. Like, oh my gosh, they need feedback all the time. You need to tell them what to do. You need to tell them they're doing great. Give them a pat on the back. They're used to everyone gets a trophy. And there is just so much judgment laced in the desire for millennials to need feedback. Mm -hmm. But if we take a step back, again, going to the fact that technology is something that millennials are so much more immersed in, social media provides instant feedback, right? You can go onto Facebook or Instagram and you know instantly whether your friends think that what you're doing is great or they're saying good job or they're sad for you, they're happy, or even down to like your email, you have access to information a lot quicker. And you also, many millennials, had parents that are baby boomers who do want the best for their kids. They wanted to do so much. They want to shield them from pain. So they were very accessible, right? And so they did, they were kind of your North Star. And so it's the environment that you are used to that. Doesn't make it right, wrong, or indifferent for those that are judging that, but (laughs) it is, 
you know, it's kind of understanding their perspective and how they come to the table. That feedback is something that they really depend on because it's useful to help them know if they're on the right path. Oh, absolutely. And you think even like, if I wanted a recipe to learn how to make something new, trying to like learn how to use my kitchen a little bit more, I could instantly look that up. I, I don't have to look through a cookbook. I'm trying to use like more of those traditional like homesteader cookbook methods, but like I've always had that. And I've had that literally, I remember like even printing off MapQuest for my mom to drive us somewhere because we had, we didn't have to like look at a map to do that even. So that instantaneous of this is where we need to go. And that, and then even like in college, we were literally taught to ask for feedback every time we met with our boss or a mentor as that's an opportunity for you to like show that you're wanting to learn. You're showing that you're wanting to continue to grow and that you're open to that change. Um, and it's not just, Hey, it's my way. I'm doing it right. Like, yeah, you can t- thank me later kind of thing. Cause that's not it at all. It's I'm going in asking for that feedback as I'm making myself vulnerable so that I can continue to grow and hopefully be as great as you are one day. And if I'm asking for your feedback, I, I respect you as that person. And so I kind of wish older generations would, would recognize that because that that's the place I'm coming from. It's not necessarily the, well, like, tell me how great I am because that's not it at all. Right. You're not just looking to be showered in praise. You're like, help me because I want to learn and I want to be successful like you. And how did you get there? I want to know. And even like, I've never, like, there's been very few times in my life where I've been what I would consider absolutely bored and like not moving forward in any way. Normally, if that is the case, I have either like the internet I can go to, which is never boring or like I'm, I can change jobs or whatever that is in order to make sure that I am being constantly challenged or like constantly almost like stimulated, I think is the word. And like all that information again, coming in from a million different places. And so how do, when I'm sitting there and I'm asking for feedback, a lot of times I'm like, all right, what can I, what can I tackle next? What's, what's my next challenge or what's something I can continue to work on like that? Right. Well, which goes into one of the, one of the judgments, right? So we talked to someone that represented the Gen X generation and what he wishes of millennials, like what he would call or some, not what he would call, but urgent ambition, meaning, okay, I'm here now. How do I get to there? 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 And that is a label that I think there are absolutely some millennials that definitely are very, you know, they, they want to go, they want to succeed. They want to grow, 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 and like hit these milestones. But what this Gen X person was saying is he, he does wish that people would just slow down and kind of smell the roses. Think about all the developmental opportunities that you have in your role. How do you feel that millennials are labeled as being like too ambitious or they want everything yesterday? Like, how does that feel? Um, so that hits very ho- close to home. That is me in a nutshell. <laughs> and I know it. And I'm very, I try to be very aware of it. Yeah. Um, and literally my mom and grandma could tell me every single day, like, you need to stop and smell the roses. Like, it's fine to be in this place of just like uncomfortable in between and not be chasing after the next thing. And like, literally, I can remember back to like even middle school, like, oh, like, this is kind of hard, but like high school is going to be better next year. Or like, oh, this is kind of hard. Like senior year is going to be better because I can drive or, you know, like I've been doing that since I was young. And so I, it took probably until about last year when like some different life events happened to really have that like humbling moment of, okay, 
how can I sit in this? How can I be uncomfortable in this? And that was like my entire learning year of like, I focused on that really hard of, I know I'm not going to be my boss tomorrow because as much as I think I could do his job or whatever, like, obviously I can't, he has a lot more experience and a lot more, um, like a bigger picture that I don't see yet. And so how can I continue to learn from him? How can I be a fly on the wall and almost like seek out those opportunities versus just constantly being like, what's next? Um, and I think it's definitely something that millennials like that we do struggle with, right? Like I will hundred percent raise my hand with that one saying that's where I'm at. But Oh, I am right with you. And if yeah. my bosses from when I was in my twenties were listening to this, they'd be like, Jen, you better say that's you because we absolutely know that's <laughs> yeah. you. But I think it is hard. We are, you know, you talked about something and I would call it in a different way, like cultural rites of passage or those milestones that we're supposed to achieve in life. So you know, going from middle school, then going to high school, then go to college, then like get the job, get the like rings so you can get married, then buy the house, then have the kids, then get wherever you want to get a dog in there, whatever that is. But we have all of these milestones. And there's a point when in early adulthood, where when we've accomplished those, it's hard to then find like, where is our due north? Where are we going? And so then I think that the career becomes the place that we invest and want to accelerate more milestones because we've lost some of those big external ones. Oh, absolutely. And I think social media has something to do with that too, right? Like you look on social media and you could probably tell me like five people who just announced they're pregnant or five people who just bought a house or five people who just got a new job. Like, and we see that on the daily. And so when we aren't bringing something to the table, and that's probably, again, a societal fault with social media, right? Everyone's struggling with that. But when we aren't bringing something to the table saying like, oh yeah, like I am married or I have checked off all these boxes or I am getting a new job because I only stayed in that last job for a year. Like any of those aspects, it's just you feel uncomfortable. Like you're like, okay, so what's great about where I'm at right now? And almost like looking for that validation again, it, it flips even to like that extreme. Um, right, that feedback, that validation. Yeah. Social media has become something where I think early generations weren't as impacted because it wasn't in your face that Susie just bought this amazing house that you're just struggling to afford. And they didn't even have student loan debt. So we can like go down that way oh, too. In oh, terms yes. of that. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, it is really difficult when you have social media in your face and whether that's in the professional form of LinkedIn, where you're then able to see like, oh, who got a new job? Who got a promotion? Where are they going? And then you're comparing yourself that way. Or it's going on to Instagram and saying, wow, you get to travel to all these great places or wow, everything great must happen to you. Like it really does pose a unique challenge for, I mean, everyone that's on social media, but especially with the millennials and Gen Z, knowing that that is such a piece of how they build their community, how they share their experiences and that they do spend more time on it than like other generations, just because it's what they grew up with, that it does take its toll. And it does create that anxiety that in some way I am not getting my stuff right, or I need to be doing more, which is then put into the workplace. Oh yeah. And that's part of our brand too, right? Like I was taught my LinkedIn, my Facebook profile, everything should be reflective of my brand. So like if my boss were to look at it or if someone hiring me were to look at it, they would get a sense of who I am. And that's how I've always done things. And so 
to not have that or like feel like there's something missing or something's not as sparkly and shiny on it as we think that Susie Q's is that that's hard and it's hard to accept. But then also through even like the last three years, it's been kind of crazy to have that like humbling notion that like, Hey, everyone feels this way. And everyone is in like the same walk of life. Everyone's going to be challenging on or have challenges on that journey. Um, And I think that's something that we as millennials need to really take some time and like kind of come together and like help support and lift each other up with that instead of necessarily like, well, like, because Susie got this, I need to get X, Y, and Z. Yes. Well, and I think also creating that that opportunity to bridge the gap with generations by just being open. Mm-hmm. Hey, I'm new here and you already think that I think I've got it all figured out. But really what I want to hear is about the opportunities that you failed or that you didn't know what the heck you're doing. Because in my perspective, being new to my career, I think that you guys have all of your stuff together. Because that's, I don't have any other way to look at it because I don't have all this experience and data to look at it any other way. But if an employer could open up that positioning of being more vulnerable and just saying, hey, you know what, Tyler, like, I didn't have that right the first time. And the fact that you're making mistakes, that's wonderful. That's how you're going to continue to evolve and progress in your career. You know, if we had more of that openness and then it wouldn't necessarily I think warrant all of the feedback if we just had people that were also open about their expectations or how the heck they got there because people hide the struggle or they hide the challenge and then it's harder to learn from and it puts more pressure on you to feel like you have to get it right somehow some way you just have to have it right on your first try have it right always because that's how we come off yeah no totally and to think like when i'm going into a new role right i started a new role two weeks ago. And so when I'm going into that and asking those questions of like, okay, A, where, like, where do you come from? How can I potentially learn from you in the future? But then also like, what have, what has your experience been working on these projects? And what has your experience been um, working with this process? And if I like come in and instantly say, well, like that process doesn't look right. Like, obviously it should be automated or it should move faster, shouldn't have to go through all these um, hoops. There's probably a reason why it has to be there. There's definitely a reason of why it was created that way. And so how do I, yeah, continue to grow and learn from that and be given that information? Maybe not given, but know the right questions to ask to get that information. Right. That's where the the mentors are huge. Mm -hmm. And having people that can just kind of give you at least insight that will help you grab at that bigger picture, which is the bigger picture is always can be a very challenging thing to adapt when you're going from college and then going into your role. And I think that this is for any generation, it's very easy when you're just starting a job to look at your role and only see your responsibilities, but not necessarily connect them to why your job matters to what the company is doing. Mm -hmm. And not a lot of companies do a great job of providing that attachment or said in another way, like creating that opportunity for millennials to feel meaningful work. Like this is what you're doing and this is why you matter. And I love this about millennials because they are challenging companies to say, why does this matter? Like, why do I have to care? Because if you want us to work hard, it's not saying that we won't work hard, but we will work hard when we're more connected to it. So 
instead of thinking that we're trying to rebel or not respecting it, like help us get like on the same bus that you're riding in. We want to know, we want to see like why we're doing things because we like to be a part of it. And the more that you can bridge that, you know, that sense of connection and collaboration, the more that you're going to, I think, see your millennials or people that are early in their careers start to really connect with your organizational mission because they feel like they're not just there to get a paycheck and do these, you know, maybe more entry-level tasks. They're there to create this higher level impact to the organization. hundred percent. Absolutely. And I think all millennials come into their role and they're like, okay, how am I going to change the world? Because mom and dad told me growing up that I could do anything I wanted to change the world. Um, and so how do I do that in these roles? And a lot of times I'm, I have been told to sit down and say, you still have a lot to learn. Like, even if you are making an impact right now, like you can't see that strategy yet. And so something I've really challenged myself with, and I think it was even like one of my words for 2019 was seeing that strategic bigger picture um, and really pushing myself not to just say like, okay, so like I have to do tasks A through B, but, or A through B, two tasks, A through D, (laughs) but I need to, there's a reason why I'm doing this and how does maybe my boss or my director or my VP see that and how does it impact them? And then ultimately, how does it impact our clients, our patients, our customers, any of those people who I'm coming to work for and I'm in this workforce and in this industry for a reason. So how do I connect all those dots and like be inspired to do that? Because I think millennials have a really high drive if it's connected with passion. So I just listened to the, I think it's Daniel Pink with his book Drive. I list, It's an older book. Oh yeah, all about motivation. I yeah. read that one. Um, listened to one of his talks on that this week actually. And I think it, it was spot on because yeah, sure, money's like influential to me. Um, being like an influential person is influential to me. But really what gets me jazzed about getting up in the morning and really starting in on a project is I know what I'm doing is making a difference or I am doing something that's going to like revolutionize something. And that's hard when you're three years into your career. And yeah, most of the tasks I'm doing probably aren't revolutionary. Like I don't have that kind of impact yet, but how do I continue to change my vision towards that and not just from the like almost intern mindset of I need to complete these tasks because this is what's on my list. Right. It's not just a to-do list. It's a like essentially part of your to-be list. You're learning everything so you can grow into that leader that you want to become. Mm -hmm. I love that you brought up motivation because a lot of the organizations today will label millennials as like job jumpers or you have to work to retain them because they're just going to leave. What do you think is important. I know we just talked about connecting with the mission, with what you're doing, with the purpose and getting that, but what do you think really keeps millennials happy in a company? I know you're not answering for every millennial. So this, I know this seems like a huge question, (laughs) but in your opinion, like, what do you think like really keeps someone as a millennial happy in their company? Like maybe through your friends, through your coworkers, like what keeps them there? I think culture has a really big thing to do with it. Um, We see, especially in Denver, right? Like we see all these really super sweet startups who have like great break rooms and they work hard, play hard. And 
yeah, they're working 60 hour weeks, but then they are like doing impactful things every single second of every single day. And like, they feel important. Right. And so that's a hard, hard bridge to gap for bigger companies because they're employing like tens of thousands of people. And so to not have Like, you can't obviously tell everyone, like, yeah, sure, we'll put a foosball table in the break room. Everything will be great. And, like, we'll have these big inspirational speaker days. They can't take that entire workforce out of it. So how do you create that almost, like, internally um, and make it where, again, those millennials just feel impactful? They feel like they're doing something great. um, And they they see where they're able to go there, I think, is another part of it. as a millennial, I like to be able to look and say, yeah, sure, I don't know how what jobs B through E are going to be, but I know what jobs like Z and A kind of look like because that's what I can see right now. And I'm hoping to continue to learn to widen my views so that I can kind of learn those little jobs in between. But the company I work for helps me see that as well, right? They help me see what maybe jobs like C, E, and F look like versus, I don't know, like they, they help me kind of like bring that whole vision to actual fruition. And again, it probably has a lot to do with mentors and management. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. It's, and what you just said, so the culture piece is huge, right? Wanting to go to a place where people are connected with the mission. It's fun. There's play because that is important. Yeah. Uh, and wanting, you know, we could talk about flexibility in a second too, to get your take on that. But, you know, one of those things is that is also important to millennials is being able to see the future and said in a different way, like they want a clearly defined career path. What am I working towards? I want to be motivated. I want to inspire. And I know that that also then can cause a little bit of that conflict in the terms of then adding urgency. It's like, Hey, I got to a, now how do I get to B now? How do I get to C now? How do I get to D? But Companies, I think, can slow that down, but it's still important to recognize that millennials want to be able to see their future. And if they can't see their future with you, they can't see future growth or opportunity, then they are going to look other ways because they do value making that impact and continuously like learning. They're lifelong learners. And so if they don't see that and if you're not setting it up, then chances are they may start to consider other options where they can, will the, where they'll be able to like receive that for themselves. And you think a lot of millennials, I think even with Gen Xers, they they don't stay in a job for longer than three, four, maybe five years, right? Like to stay in one role. If there's an opportunity within a company to maybe say, all right, here's like some different roles you can pop into as well, because then you can kind of, again, continue to learn and really stay fresh um, because most likely I'm not going to stay at the same company for the next 35 years. Like that's, that's hard for me to visualize. Um, and I think that's almost like a societal shift, but a lot of that had to come from millennials at the beginning. And so how do companies kind of help prolong that experience, I guess, and maybe keep them there for 15 years where they have eight different roles over that time. Like that's, that's, very appealing to me. Yeah, that's feasible. Yeah. Right. But yes, it's, I mean, to say that people are staying in careers like typical baby boomers, like some of them where it's 30 year anniversaries there, it is societal. There is so much that has changed that has brought 
a decrease into the amount of time that you spend with an employer. Even looking at 30 years, we know as millennials that initially they had lovely severance packages or additional retirement options that were very appealing. But with the recession, all of that was taken away. But that was a very strong motivation or motivator to stay with an employer. But now that we can't even bank on that, that's one less lever that an employer has to pull to keep us there. And so it's not that we're averse to that. It's just we didn't have as enticing offers. We know we don't. We saw it and we saw what happened with with the recession, (laughs) that things are just not planned or like we can't take everything for granted because in At the drop of a hat, something can happen where either we're losing our jobs and many millennials struggled to even get a job because they were graduating right when that started and graduating with so much college debt, right? Having, I mean, I myself have around $30,000 of college debt and it's insane. I am almost 40. I don't want to continue to pay off my student loans, but it is a reason that does come into work with me. It does make me want to ask for more in terms of salary so I can be able to afford a life and then paying off these loans, which is, you know, I think something that not a lot of companies had to consider in terms of what a quality of life is like for a millennial, knowing that, especially in a place like Denver, where we already have a high cost of living, but then we have the burden of additional expenses like student loans that make it harder for us to be able to then be those responsible adults and go and buy a house when we're just trying to figure out how we can pay that back. And when we can pay that back, we're not necessarily on the, well, I want to buy a house. I mean, we want that, but it's just not as accessible as it was to earlier generations. Oh, absolutely. And I think our, our world has shrunk significantly, right? Like what we see in terms of news, social media, everything I can communicate with someone Heck, my husband lived in Japan for three years when I was in college and I was able to talk with him on FaceTime every single day. And so to have that like wider breadth and like understanding of what's around us, I think that's everything from like, yeah, the world's a big place, but also like I could go get this job over here in New York City because it looks super cool because so-and-so that I connected with back in college is now telling me about it on LinkedIn, right? Like it's all connected and so as millennials, like I'm not really wanting to sit still and just sit in that same job for 35 years because there's a lot of other really cool things I can go do. And I'm now aware of it. I think older generations weren't as aware of that um, because they saw what their newspaper put out every day and maybe the evening news. Right. They didn't have the same access to information. And globalization wasn't necessarily what it is today to Mm -hmm. them. And so knowing that, again, millennials have different choices and it's the challenge back. Like, who's to say that if you were in our shoes and saw this amazing job opportunity when you were my age, that you wouldn't leap for it? Oh, yeah. Right. So it's, you know, some of that is there's just that exposure. Like you've always had options. And so you know that it's not just you're not stuck in one place. You can see the options. And something I think companies can also do is provide that flexibility, right? Like there's a very high chance that maybe one day we want to pick up and go live overseas for a few years. Can I still work my corporate job just remote from Europe? Yeah. In a lot of ways, I totally could. And my company actually supports that where I think some of these other companies of you need to be in the office every single day or like you need to be filling a seat. Like that's just not feasible anymore. That's not 
something that is going to keep millennials don't want to come in and just warm a seat. We want to be again, doing something impactful every single day. And I only have 24 hours in my day and there's a lot going on. I'd like to be able to get my job done and then be able to go do whatever else I need to be able to take care of for the day. Yeah. Which brings up that, like, you don't live to work, which is a phrase that can be associated with the baby boomers. You work to live. And even just those remote options or that flexibility does allow you to be able to live more. Like you can still give to your employer, but then you can still, you know, invest in your life outside of work. Mm -hmm. I would say that millennials are still very, very, very willing to put in the long hours, but it has to be worth it. Uh, I think sometimes there's the misconception that millennials just want to come in at eight and then leave, you know, right at five or whenever they're supposed to leave. But it all depends on how much you're connecting that purpose and how much you're giving that flexibility because millennials do realize that life is short. Everything that we worked for or our parents worked for wasn't necessarily granted to them with the recession and everything that they lost. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to spend my time just working and hoping that this is going to work out. I'm going to maximize this short life that I have. Oh yeah. Like there's just a different shift in terms of, holy crap, things can change in an instant. I want to make sure that I'm really enjoying this. There's also the pressures, though, I think on the flip side of, yes, we enjoy this. But yes, a lot of millennials are still very hardcore perfectionists. They they have they have that high need for external validation. And so they will do whatever they can to make their boss happy, their peers happy. They want to do their best. Yeah, we want the flexibility. We want to do our best. And so, yes, we still, I think, are very similar, but different from our baby boomer parents um, or counterparts that we want to work hard. The difference is we just need more of an understanding of like the connection to us. Whereas maybe some baby boomers were taught, like, you should just be happy you have a job or look at these benefits that you have. And millennials are like, well, if I don't have this job, like there are others. I have the internet. I can see all of these other places. I could also move to another place. We're not as geographically fixed as some of the preceding and earlier generations. Oh, absolutely. And I'm kind of was thinking about this as you were saying all of that. I think because of what we were taught growing up, right, we were taught like I statements and like, how does that make you feel? Um, We're probably a little bit more emotionally attached to everything in our lives um, in terms of, and I could be offending a million people saying this, but I'm not (laughs) intending that at all. But like when I'm going into work, I want it to make me feel good. I want to be doing something with that impact, with that passion. And I'm very aware of that. Um, instead of just, I know if I clock in from eight to five, then I'll get that retirement package at the end of all of this. Because again, we weren't promised that most likely with how today's society is going, we aren't going to get anywhere close to that. Um, and so having those two different balances, but I think the flexibility for that is key. And then just having that like passion behind it, because I want to do other things, right? Like I don't want to be necessarily a stay-at-home mom like my grandma and mom were which was great that they had that opportunity but like that's not again also feasible in today's society so how can I have it all almost especially as a woman in the workforce yes and it's the have it all and things have changed it's not as easy to be a stay-at-home mom as it was back in the day because life is more expensive we have more debt that we have to pay off that is now a luxury to be able to go into that And also in some ways, it's not reflective of, I would say, always the need to have maybe that collaboration feeling that millennials love of like feeling connected. Like it's 
a little bit more isolating, I'm sure, for the stay-at-home moms when I'm they sure. don't have that. Um, I'm not a mom, so I could definitely be talking out of turn. Hi, everyone. It's Jen. I wanted to pop in and share with you a little bit about what Crestcom does and how we can help you thrive as a leader. Hey, Leadership Habit listeners. Are you looking for a proven program to improve your management team's communication skills and create happier and more productive employees? Are your leaders able to take your strategy and break it down effectively for their teams to achieve your vision? Are they able to inspire and motivate their employees to produce real results and meet daily demands? We know that great managers don't happen overnight. Partner with Crestcom to help develop your team and obtain results. Whether you are looking to improve employee engagement and reduce turnover or cultivate a more inclusive culture, our intensive leadership development program provides a diverse set of tools and essential skills for leaders to thrive in today's workforce. Contact us at crestcomleadership.com to learn more about how we can help you. Now back to the podcast. We've talked a lot about, you know, what millennials want. Like they want flexibility. They want a clearly defined work path. They want a culture that they work for where, or that they like love working in. Where do you think money falls into that? And that's hard. I think... I struggle with that personally of like, I don't like to talk about money with Mm -hmm. people. Like it's just uncomfortable for me, probably partially because of the recession, right? Like I saw all that like huge thing explode. But at the same time, like I see all my friends doing really super cool things and buying houses and going on amazing trips. Like I I need to be able to afford my lifestyle. Um, And that's something... I don't necessarily have the experience in being able to ask for either. And so a lot of those money conversations I have, I'll pass by like a mentor or my dad or someone beforehand to be like, okay, as an older generation, who's going to be receiving this conversation, like as my boss or my manager, how do you take this? Because I know how I feel like money definitely needs to fall into that, but it's not the top of the line either. But it's still that uncomfortable feeling of like, uh, like, yeah, I know we have to talk about it, but it's probably not going to be my favorite day of the week. And yeah, it's going to be really super uncomfortable and I need it in order to afford living in Denver. But I, I don't know how to like bring that up either. So it's definitely something that I'm still continuing to learn about. Um, but in it, like I said, it with all those different factors, I don't think it's top of the line. It's not bottom of the line either, but it's in that list. And I think it's important. I think it's a necessity based on even just the debt, right? For those that have student yeah. loan, like it's a necessity, but it's still not necessarily the number one reason. Millennials will even drop a job to be doing something more exciting and get paid less for it. Oh, yeah. You think of all the <laughs> entrepreneurs, like my sister just started up her own company and she completely quit everything and was like, all right, this is what I'm doing. Had like no, like, set up clients at the very beginning and just said, I'm going to figure out a way to make rent this month and doing what I love. And she's killing it. I'm so proud of her, but that's a huge option right now. Like we're able to do that. And we see people doing that again with the social media aspect, but how do we make all that work and how do companies bring that into play when they're recruiting millennials as well, I think is it's, it's not something that they need to be like advertising top of the line, like you're going to be being this much. Yes, but it's still something to bring in. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And I think that there's a baseline understanding with all with how tech savvy millennials are. 
And then how many companies actually provide salary, like salary data, like Glassdoor, like you can go on and you can see what someone's making and you're looking at that. And so there is an expectation also when you go to the negotiating table, you want to understand how this is a baseline and where you fit into that. Or if you're not at that level, like what is it going to take to get there? Because you know, it's achievable because it's on their company web or it's on, you know, a review of from former employees that have worked there. Mm -hmm. So it's, it is interesting, like the way that, you know, money plays out. And it's, I love that like money is something that's still like a, it's just a learned skill. Negotiation, I think is something that at all levels, I don't even think that's a generational issue so much as talking about money is hard and it requires us to like really think about our worth and our value. And, you know, it's, there's just a lot of emotions wrapped up into money sometimes. Yeah. And on the flip side, you could also just say money is money, right? Like, Hey, like I want this. If you can't offer it, like I'll go find something else. Like there are those efforts too. Um, we've talked a lot about what millennials want. We haven't maybe talked as much about, about what we love about all the other generations. And so I want to give some love because I don't want to make it sound like millennials don't appreciate the other generations because we absolutely do. And we all need to work together to create a common goal. It's just about understanding, you know, that we all came up in different ways and with different backgrounds and experiences, technology, economic events, historical events. Uh, But what do you love about a generationally diverse workforce? Everyone comes in with those different views. And that's something I think it took me a little while to understand where that was coming from. Um, But I highly value that. So like when I think of the job I actually just accepted and started a few weeks ago, part of the reason why I picked that team was we had people on the team of all different ages. They all came from different backgrounds. They didn't maybe necessarily all grow up within my company. Um, and so because of that, they're coming into these like project management kind of tasks and we're all working together as a team to say like, Hey, what's the best way we can do this? What's the most efficient way we can do this? But I'm not going to have the same life experiences that my peer has, who's 20 years, my senior, but also like has done all these really super cool jobs leading up into this. And I'm literally just so excited to sit back and like soak up like a sponge all of this knowledge because I know that I'll have something to bring my opinion still valuable valuable but there's so much still to learn from these other generations like I think of baby boomers for instance they often are like those people who can really put their head down and do really hard work but walk away and I think they're probably from the baby boomers I know, they're some of the happier people who are just really happy with simple things. And that's amazing. Like I, I strive to have more of that where I think of like the Gen Xers and um, watching like them just have so much, again, wealth of information in terms of experience, but then also they're like helping bridge that gap between us and the baby boomers. Um, I I don't think I had the opportunity to work with all those different generations up until joining my large company I work for. Um, And now I'm thinking like moving forward in my career, I'm going to need some aspect of that at all times because it's just so valuable to me um, in solving those problems. And I, I tend to be a, a problem solver. That's what I like to do. So I need those, those different people to work with to really continue to grow on that. 
yeah, we need diversity. Mm-hmm. And that is the beautiful thing about multi-generational workplaces is that we do all have different backgrounds and experiences and ways of approaching things. And instead of saying, oh, baby boomers are off, baby boomers are awful at this, millennials suck at that, like they're not great here. What are the ways that we can come together and learn from each other and appreciate our differences or how we look at things? You know, I do love the baby boomer a really strong and compelling work ethic to say, we can get these things done and here's what you have to do. It is very like heads down and they're drivers and they can accomplish so much. And I also love the Gen X approach where they are a little bit more hands-off. They want their independence. They want to do what they're doing and they are in leadership roles, but they also allow people, I think, especially those that report to them, they allow them opportunities to have more independence and autonomy, which I think looking at a lot of millennials that report to Gen Xers, that's something that's really nice because we, when we have more autonomy, then we have more opportunity to connect what we're doing with like that purpose and meaning for ourselves because it's not restricted with red tape or expectations and uh, expectations are there, but the red tape, right? They're giving you more jurisdiction over how to problem solve, but knowing that problem solving in general, everyone's going to approach something different in the the deep institutional knowledge that someone has after being in a company for 20 plus years is invaluable in terms of what that does for any type of conversation and how they see things, how they can, you know, their strategic thinking skills are so much more accelerated because they have that big picture view. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, Gen X too, of just kind of playing that, like they do play off of baby boomers and millennials. I think that we all are a little bit different where, there's a lovely way that we all can agree to disagree or bring up different points of view and still get in there. And I think Gen Xers are still comfortable being in that middle. I mean, they're the ones that don't necessarily get the glory because they're the smaller generation in between the two, but they really are that stability, right? They are very independent. They're very self-sufficient. They can do what they need to do, but we need multi-gen and we need to also appreciate everything that every generation brings. And you know, really looking at it as every person you meet, regardless of their age or generation, is your teacher and your student. Oh, yes. You can teach them something and you can learn that you can learn something from them. It's not just a one sided that just because you have this deep knowledge, then I guess we all have to look at you like there's just different ways that we approach things and, you know, how we look at a problem and that we can all learn from each other. Yeah. And I think like when you were saying all of that, I think most of my mentors right now are about Gen X or the end of, or like the start of millennials. Um, and because of that ability to give the autonomy or give that independence, I've probably learned my most from them right now, but that's just because of those people that they're the people I'm working with, where when we bring in all three of those generations together and pretty soon, if not already, I'm bringing in Gen Z into the workforce, right? They start this year, last year. And to get that that wide variety of view is just so impactful. And I think it's going to accelerate whatever company product that we have on the marketplace. Right. You'll be more innovative and more disruptive. And it's the power of numbers. Yeah. All those great words. Right. <laughs> you can do more when you have all those perspectives. Whereas if we limit ourselves to thinking that, you know, even if organizations limit themselves to just the boomers that are sitting in a room to make a decision. And it's not necessarily boomers. It could also just be like people of a certain level. They're missing out on the point of view that people have 
within different operational points of the business? And how can we continue to open up dialogue or create lines of communication between everyone so we can grow and we can become more interconnected and stronger together? Yeah, and most companies and their clients or customers are multi-generational, like for the most part. And so how do we you're going to need something like from a marketing standpoint that appeals to millennials, which is going to be very different than what appeals to baby boomers. Like you can't only pick one of those for the most part, unless you're like AARP. Um, right. Where you're serving like, the retired. <laughs> yeah, where you're only serving like one specific generation. But like when you're serving today's work, like world of so many different generations, how do we bring all of those people like it's only beneficial for those companies to bring everyone together. Yes. Well, and to pay attention to the fact that they are different. Market segmentation is a must to stay relevant because we don't want the same things because we haven't all had the same experience. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's on, you know, it's not probably the best business decision to treat us all the same because we have very different ways of looking at the workplace. So this is the leadership habit podcast. And talking about leadership, like, what do you think is important to, in a leader of a millennial? What do you think that you need from a leader? Um, I need that inspiration, which is probably asking for a really tall order, but I do need someone who's like, this is our big picture. This is why what we're doing is super cool. We're going to change the world. And that's like, again, putting him at a really tall order, but I need to kind of see that. I need to have someone who tells me when, like, there's an opportunity for me to grow um, or and maybe just answers my questions when I'm asking for that feedback, but also allows me to say, all right, here, I understand you're wanting to continue to learn. Here's some ways that you can continue to do that. Um, I think those are my two, like, biggest things of, I need to have that drive or passion behind it and I need to see a direction forward. And if I have a leader who can kind of do that and allow me to grow and allow me to see that amazing picture, I'm, I will do whatever I can, like I said, to work super hard for you because I know I'm waking up every morning doing something great. Yes. Make the why connection, build the why. And I love what you said, because I think oftentimes they think that millennials are just anticipating what their next move is they're going to go but really no like if you connect me with what we're doing and I can see how I play it you know a part whether it's big or small like that excites me that makes me want to work harder for you yeah right yeah, I just like got chills. chills that's awesome like it's and you can find that in any different industry and organization because we are all different and motivated by different things like I have plenty of friends that think that leadership development is not necessarily as compelling and exciting as I do. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, whether you are, um, whether you're a real estate agent or whether you're working in healthcare or any industry, like it's connecting to what you do because in, in many ways, we actually are all making the world a better place through our organization. But sometimes the employer just has to do the due diligence to like kind of create that story and start connecting that and infusing that into their organization so people can be united towards that, tom- that common goal. Because I think it is important for millennials 
um, to feel a part of something. Like I want to feel like I'm a part of like creating change or making X impact. And so the more that employers can do that up front in anticipation of that new millennial that's coming in, the more likelihood that they'll have at retaining and engaging that millennial. 100%. Taylor, I've loved our conversation today. It's been so fun. And I just want to ask you our one final question that we ask everyone, which is what is your leadership habit for success? So my leadership habit, I see it as very beneficial sometimes. Other people around me will say it's kind of obnoxious. But again, growing up with all these different sources coming in with like information coming at me from all these different places, I struggled to remember like what all we needed to get done for the day, whether it was everything from work to personal to what I needed to buy from the grocery store. And it was like, if anything, every single new piece of information that would come in, I would forget everything else. And it drove me absolutely bonkers. So I literally do the old fashioned thing and write lists all over. I have a notebook that never leaves my side. And even if I'm like in the car and I come up with a thought or I'm getting ready for the morning and I come up with a thought of what needs to happen in order to, again, continue to um, make my impact on the world, um, for lack of better terms, like I need to have that all written down so that I can really focus on actually like using my brain for good. And if I have those like lists of things that either need to get done or I need to like keep somewhere where it's safe. So that's my leadership habit is I just keep a notebook and write lists every single morning. And that's my start to the day. So that's awesome, though. I mean, it, it does like it can reduce your stress because oh, you yeah. know what you're supposed to do instead of trying to remember or jog your memory to recall that. And so it's a lovely habit, right? Prioritization. That's how we can accomplish great things. We have oh, to yeah. keep our make sure that we're getting those small tasks that lead up to those big things. <laughs> exactly. And to make sure that like those are off my plate so that I can focus on some of those bigger things too. Like I'm not having to remember go to the grocery store because I know it's already in my calendar in my notebook, but I can then you can focus tell Alexa on, now. I could <laughs> haven't quite gotten there yet, but I could work on that and then just actually be able to be present in those conversations that we're having at work. Yeah. And that's great. Like the overstimulation is real. So whatever yeah. we can do to ground ourselves in our moment is important. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being here, Tyler. I really enjoyed our conversation and I hope everyone else enjoyed this too. If you want, you can connect with Tyler on LinkedIn. Um, you'll find her contact information in our show notes. Thank you so much, Tyler. Thank you so much. This was so much fun. Thank you for tuning in today for our discussion with Tyler Jane Jones about her experience working as a millennial in the workforce today. Tune in for next week's episode when we talk to Gen Xer Manny Martinez, president of Relentless Leadership LLC, about how working with different generations can be a positive and rewarding experience.